My theme is who made you boss? Who made you boss? Amen. This message and the remaining messages in Mark's gospel will focus on Jesus' last visit to Jerusalem. And this is the week leading up to his crucifixion. In today's passage, we will see Jesus in confrontation with various authorities in the area. He is dealing with a central issue of all time. What is the final authority of life? Should I obey the state or should I obey my conscience? Which is higher? The church or secular government? Should I walk by reason or should I walk by faith? Should I follow science or religion? These are questions every one of us must face. And we are helped greatly by the words of the Lord Jesus in this account. In the last message brought from this series, Brother Joe Jackson mentioned in his sermon the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem and also the second cleansing of the temple where Jesus overturned the tables of the money changers and swept out all the commercialized traffic. Then Jesus did a very striking thing following that which only is recorded in Mark's gospel. Chapter 11, verse 16. He stopped the offerings and sacrifices of the Mosaic system. Mark says it this way. He would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. This meant that he stopped the traffic of the priests as they were carrying out their normal duties connected with the sacrifices and he would not allow them to continue. We have to understand that this is a very dangerous and daring thing for Jesus to do. And everyone would have been stunned and shocked at this action that Jesus took to stop anything being carried through the temple. We know that the sacrifices that the priests undertook came from the Levitical system that God had commanded Moses to set into operation. They were the heart and center of the life of the nation. Yet here we see Jesus seemingly on his own authority bringing this priestly traffic to a halt. Now Mark records the reaction that follows Jesus taking this action. And we will read from chapter 11, verse 27. Then they came again to Jerusalem. And as he was walking in the temple, this is Jesus, the chief priests, the scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, by what authority 
are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority to do these things? Quite blunt with their questions that they bring to Jesus. Remember I just mentioned that Jesus had turned over the money tables and he had stopped the sacrificial system. And they wanted to know, well, who gave you authority to act in this way? Let's recognize here that the people who are questioning Jesus are no second-rate individuals. This was a very imposing delegation made up of Caiaphas, the high priest, and Annas, his father-in-law, who was regarded as virtually a high priest himself. Included in this group asking the questions were the scribes, the body of men who interpreted the law of Moses, and the elders, those who were officially appointed to serve in the Sanhedrin, the ruling body of the nation. So this was quite an imposing, authoritative council. The Jewish heads of state under the overarching rule of Rome who came to Jesus with this question. Now in the answer Jesus gave to these men, we have one of the most amazing accounts in scripture. What our Lord does under that moment of pressure is very revealing. The first thing he does with utter calmness is to examine the credentials of those who are questioning him. And then following that, he predicts their ultimate downfall. So let's look at him questioning their credentials from verse 29 of Mark 11. But Jesus answered and said to them, I also ask you one question. Then answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. And here's a question. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? Answer me. Notice the directness of Jesus' question. And he puts these leaders on the spot. Verse 31. And they reasoned among themselves saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe him? That's speaking of John the Baptist. But if we say from men, they feared the people for all counted John to have been a prophet indeed. So they answered and said to Jesus, we do not know. And Jesus answered and said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Don't you just love Jesus? When he needs to be tough, he can be tough. Amen. So Jesus put them to the test. He asked them about the baptism of John. Notice he's not asking them, about the ministry of John, and he's not asking them about John himself. He's asking them 
was the baptism of John from God? Or was it from men? We might think, what's the big deal with the baptism of John? Well, what John was doing was something that was different. It hadn't really been done before in Israel. It was quite new. It's quite startling. Baptizing people in the River Jordan or wherever he could find water. Of course, the priests, they had their many washings connected with their duties under the Levitical system. But this was always done in the temple according to prescribed ritual. But John was baptizing out in the wilderness. He was introducing a new innovation, something brand new. Whenever Gentiles wanted to convert to Judaism, the priests would baptize that individual. So in the Jewish thinking, they had no need, as far as they was concerned, to ever be baptized because they were Jews. But John, he was not a priest. He wasn't doing his ministry in the temple. He was out in the muddy river Jordan. And back to the very first message in this series, people were flocking from the towns and cities and coming out to John in a wilderness place. So this was quite new. So John's baptism would arouse questions amongst the Jewish leaders. By what authority do you give us a new ritual in Israel? So Jesus seizes upon that and says to them, what do you think of this new innovation of John? Was it from God or from men? So we notice that Jesus simplifies the issue here, clearing away all the non-essentials. All authority is either of God or men. There are no other authorities. Now it's clear that Jesus put these leaders in a real dilemma. In chess, we would call this a fork, where no matter what you do, you're going to lose a piece. Because if they say John's baptism was from God, then Jesus would have said to them, why didn't you accept John the prophet then? And if they say that John's baptism was from men, well, the multitude would be pretty enraged with them because the, the people took John as a prophet from God. So they copped out and they said, we don't know. By their answer, they're really revealing that they don't really care about whether John's baptism was from God or not. They were not interested in truth, nor were they willing to answer that question at all. They only cared about serving their own interests. Now our Lord proceeds to make the fact visible to everybody by telling a story. He's on the offense now. And he predicts 
the ultimate downfall of these Jewish leaders. Reading from Mark 12, verse 1. Then he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it. Dug a place for the wine vat and built a tower. And he leased it to the vine dressers and went into a far country. As Jesus begins this parable, these leaders will immediately recognize that story. Because Jesus is quoting or borrowing words from the prophet Isaiah. And you'll find these words in Isaiah chapter 5. Where the nation is described as a vineyard brought out of Egypt and planted in a choice land. God had dug a pit and built a tower to protect his vineyard. And had come looking for fruit. These Jewish leaders would immediately recognize that this was about them. And then Jesus goes on to say, Now at vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers that he might receive some of the fruit of the vineyard from the vine dressers. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty handed. Again, he sent them another servant. And at him they threw stones, wounded him in the head, and sent him away shamefully treated. And again he sent another, and they killed and many others, beating some and killing some. Therefore still having one son, his beloved, he also sent him to them last saying, they will respect my son. But the vine dressers said amongst themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him. And the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard. Can we imagine the boldness of Jesus? How daring he must have been to quote from this writing of Isaiah. In this veiled and yet very clear way, he throws this parable right into the face of these leaders. He's describing them who they are, and what they are doing. And indirectly, he's answering their question. By what authority do you do the things that you do? And he says, here is my authority, because I am the owner of the vineyard. I am the rightful heir to it. I am the beloved son who the Father has sent. So Jesus then is saying that we know that the owners sent various servants and they were treated very badly. Some were even beaten, some were killed. What he was saying to these Jewish leaders is that God over time has sent prophets to this nation 
to warn you. And you've killed some of those prophets. You stoned some of them. You beat some of them. And they came from God. And what he was saying directly to them, now I am the son. And I've been sent to you from my father God. But he describes to them here what would become of him. That these same Jewish leaders that were questioning Jesus would beat him, kill him, and cast him out of the vineyard. So Jesus is under no delusion here as to what was going to happen to him. But then he goes on to predict what would ultimately happen and that God has the final say. And he says in verse 9, Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. If we read this from Matthew's account, it gives us just some added clarity here. Because from reading from Mark's gospel, it seems as if Jesus asks the question, therefore what will the owner of the vineyard do? And he answers it. But if you read from Matthew's version, Matthew 21, 40 to 41, you will see that the answer came from the Jewish leaders. Matthew records that the scribes and the chief priests said, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their seasons. So Jesus is saying, you are right. What you've answered is right. You have judged yourselves. Verse 10. Have you not even read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they sought to lay hands on him but feared the multitude for they knew he had spoken the parable against them. They got it. They knew exactly uh, what he was saying. So they left him and went away. The stone that the builders rejected. We know that this was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. When he was resurrected from the dead. The stone that was rejected became the cornerstone. And indeed he's a cornerstone, isn't he? Today of our faith. Without Jesus, without his death, burial and resurrection, we have no Christian faith. He was rejected by his own and these same Jewish leaders were responsible along with the people for his crucifixion. But he rose again, amen? amen. Hallelujah. And he's a chief cornerstone. Our resurrected Lord, when he rose from the dead in Matthew 28:18 he says all power all power in heaven and on earth has been given unto me Jesus is lord of everything he's lord of the past 
He's Lord of today. He's Lord of the future. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He is the ultimate determiner of all that happens in human affairs. That's why whilst we're concerned about Brexit and all these things that are happening in our country, as I shared, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, God raises up one and he sets down another. Amen? And whoever is in leadership, God allows to be there only for a period of time. But they're fulfilling God's will and purpose, whether they know it or not, whether they will acknowledge it or not. Forty years later, and this is Jesus' prophetic utterance that they were going to be destroyed. Forty years later, Roman armies came in, surrounded the city of Jerusalem and captured it. And the chief priests, the scribes and the elders were led away in chains into captivity to be dispersed among the nations. So God did exactly what he said he would do in this parable. The lesson to us today as we read this account is to recognize that man's authority is always limited. No matter how mighty one may think that one is, in my lifetime I've seen some great leaders some dictators fall. I remember the found one in the pit, was it? Do you remember that one? Hiding away. Man's authority is limited. Man is only in, and I should say woman as well, in case you think I'm... Human authority is limited. It can never be equated to God's Rule and authority in the affairs of men. Man's authority is limited in duration. Men can sit on the seat of unrighteousness, on just power, only for so long. Then something has to happen to sweep them out of office. Amen? Quoting from J.B. Phillips, he once said, Remember that the powers that be will soon be the powers that have been. And Ezekiel the prophet in Ezekiel 21, 27, he says that God's process through history is declared in these words. I will overturn, 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 till he shall come whose right it is to reign. No evil power can remain in control very long. God's hand is at work in history to overthrow and to replace one power with another. Nobody can overthrow God. People have tried to usurp God's authority 
and to overthrow his rule. But the scripture tells us that he will reign forever and ever. There's no higher authority than God. And we belong to God. Amen? So that says to me, whatever is or may be going on in your life, maybe circumstances are dictating to you. And that could be through an individual. That can only go on for so long. Can't last forever. God is in control of our lives, our circumstances. And in the right time, he will overturn. He will set down one and he will set up another. So my encouragement to you is not to give up. Don't faint. Don't lose heart. Hang on in there. Job says, all of my appointed time, I'm going to wait until my change comes. Are you waiting for a change? Probably all of us in some way, shape or form, we are waiting for change in our lives and circumstances. Amen. If today you feel overwhelmed by your circumstances, I'm here to remind you that God has final authority. He has a final say. He's in full control of your life and your destiny. But he wants us to trust him. Amen? Because often we forget who God is, really. We forget that he's an awesome, almighty, all-powerful God. And we allow our circumstances to be so magnified that they look bigger than God. But they're not. Whatever desire you have in your heart, whatever breakthrough you're looking for this afternoon, whatever change you want to come, I want to let you know that God is bigger than all of that. Nothing impossible for him to do this afternoon. We're going to move to a place of prayer. Firstly, I want to invite anyone in here who doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You haven't surrendered your life under his authority. In this season of goodwill, this season of Christmas where we celebrate the birth of Christ. The best gift you could ever have is to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. You don't have to wait a moment longer. You can do that right now and today. It's very easy. Jesus has made this very straightforward and simple. Just recognize that you are lost without Jesus. You can't save yourself. You can't deserve to be saved. You can't earn this. You just have to receive it by faith. You know, some of us think that our good deeds are going to save us. Some of us have this theory that, you know, on the day of judgment there's going to be a scale. And all the bad stuff you've done is going to be in one side of the scale. 
and all the good stuff is going to be in the other side and if the good stuff outweighs all the bad you're in you're right my sister don't go like that we are only saved by faith in the saving work of Jesus Christ what I like about the Christian faith is that it's not about what we can do you know most other religions it's about what you do how many times you pray and where you go and all these kind of things being saved is not about what we can do it's about what Jesus has done and it's about us putting our full trust and faith in what Jesus has done that's the difference with Christianity so all the other stuff that we do can't add to righteousness can't add to us being saved it's about what Jesus has done be reminded that God is in control full control of your lives and your destinies as was mentioned earlier you don't have to take revenge if you've been hurt God's in control just hand him your all your heart your challenges your burdens often you know we want quick fixes don't we we just want our problems to be solved but sometimes it doesn't work that way God gives us grace he gives us strength to endure wait until that change comes don't give up don't throw the towel in God has not forgotten you he has not lost a plot in his time he makes all things beautiful in fact if you take the time to look at your challenges as great as they may be I am sure that you will see the hallmarks of God following you blessing you preserving you just as sometimes we're, such in, we're in such of a rush and we want things to just be resolved so quickly that we don't take time to, to stop and see that God is just spreading his grace and sustaining us from day to day I wonder if we could just give God thanks for that even before we pray we are kept by the almighty power of God we're not keeping ourselves every breath every step every action only by the grace of God Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for this word that reaffirms to us that you have final authority. You are the sovereign God. There's no higher power, no higher authority. The scripture says that the heathen raged and imagined vain things. They thought they could overthrow you. But in this place we declare that you are majesty. King of all kings. Lord of all lords. 
of your kingdom there shall be no end you reign now and forever and you are the God that we have submitted our lives to oh God you see us from day to day the word says that there's not even a sparrow that falls out of a tree that you don't see and we are much more valuable than the sparrows so you see our brokenness you see our heartache you see our anxiety you see the mountains seemingly that are before us the songwriter says you're the God of the mountains you are Lord in the valley I commit these precious people who have come forward to you oh God will you just shed the light of your word across their path infuse their hearts with hope right now in Jesus name show them that you are with them oh God cause them to acknowledge with thankfulness in their hearts that you have been keeping them and preserving them highlight the traces of your glory and your favor oh God we all recognize that we could be in a much worse place today if it wasn't for your mercy and grace thank you Lord you have the final say speak to that heart Lord that may be seeking to take revenge or take the law into one's own hands and I say to you God will have the final say let him work it out let him do it in his way and in his time just be patient God's putting all the pieces together. He's putting all the pieces together. And in the right time, He will do a quick work. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. Let's bless the Lord in this place. Hallelujah. 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 Please remind yourselves, I'm going to give you a prescription. This week, will you remind yourselves three times a day? Morning, afternoon, and before you go to bed at night. Remind yourself that God is in control of your life and circumstances. Amen. Amen. You may need to say that out loud. You may need to sing a song that says that. You may need to pace it out in your hallway or landing. Whatever it takes. You remind yourselves three times a day for this week that God is in control of your life and circumstances. That's from Dr. Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's bless the Lord together. Hallelujah.